I'm Yasi Salik, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. It's a Prestige TV podcast. My name is Bill Simmons. I'm here with Joanna Robinson. We haven't done a podcast together in a while. You've been in, what's that show? Dragon House? What's it called? The HBO show? The Dragon? Dragon Place? Yeah. Then there's a, then, then the ring, ring powers thing happened on Amazon. Whatever. You're in that whole universe. But now we're back because <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer has united us. Uh, Netflix drops out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere, a Ryan Murphy docuseries. Not docu. I, I guess it's a fictional, non-fictional, whatever that universe is about Dahmer. I plowed through it on Saturday. I did not intend to. I was home. My wife and my daughter were in Arizona. My son was out. I needed something to watch as I'm doing MBA homework for the uh, upcoming season. I'm like, all right, I'll put on Dahmer. And then eight episodes later, I was still going. Um, you you split it up a little bit more, right? Was this a binge for you or, or did you, you ease into it? Uh, no, I watched a few. So did you do all 10 in one day or eight on Saturday and then two on Sunday? How did you? I'm ashamed to admit I watched eight on Saturday and I woke up Sunday morning before football and watched the other two, even though it was my birthday. I celebrated my birthday with the cannibal, Jeffrey Dahmer. A happy birthday. Does that Thank make you, you. A, li- a Libra? That's great. Yeah, I'm um, a Libra. I'm- I am also Libra. Um, Yeah, it's I broke it up like three to four episode chunks. And I think the first the first one, I think, is the toughest one to get through. I think if people are like sit down and watch the first one and they wonder, is the whole thing like this? And it's like, yes, but also no, uh, if that makes any sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is good. Let's do let's do first half of this. We'll do non-spoilers. And then second half, we'll dispose. I mean, we're spoiling something that actually happened. History. But yeah, 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 let's go a little big picture, <laughs> a little vague. So I think the way you did it was the right way to do it, but keep going. Yeah, just um, episode one comes in kind of hard. You, you know, like it's a Ryan Murphy show and Ryan Murphy doesn't shy away from gory details. He's He's been preoccupied with serial killers for a while on his American Horror Story stuff that he did for FX. This is, though, much more, even more, I think, 
creepy and unhinged just because the Netflix rating system is different. So he can go even gorier. And um, episode one, just make sure that you're on board for the amount of gore that you're going to have to, you know, go through for the whole episode. Are you at all squeamish about gore or were you just like, give it to me? Give it like, I'm on board. I'm ready. I'm I'm a lifelong horror person. I just realized anyone who's listening to this has probably seen it. So we could talk about it. Okay. He goes all in episode one. Yeah. And what was weird about it was you think, is this the whole show? Are we going to, this is going to be the super graphic gory. Like this is just going to be murder by murder with Dahmer. Right. And then all of a sudden we're going backwards. And I, what'd you think of that choice? So you like that choice, how to do the first episode, how they did it? Um, I think it was a good way to sort of weed out anyone who might be squeamish about the gore. Just sort of like, hmm. listen, if you can't hang with this, you're not going to be able to hang with the show. So you can you can exit now. We're not going to surprise you with this later. We're going to let you know right away what we're about. The structure of it reminded me a lot of American Crime Story Versace, another Ryan Murphy show yeah. uh, about Andrew Cananan. And like... um. I think that did a similar thing where you start now and then you go back and you go through. This one is a little even less um, straightforward in the timeline. You know, I felt like we were hopping back and forth a bunch and there are chirons to let you know what year you're in, but I was like a little disoriented sometimes. Um, but I thought that was a really interesting way to structure it. And I like the way that it that it spreads out beyond Jeff, who like Evan Peters is amazing, but Jeff is a tough hang, right? Um, so to give us Niecy Nash's character, Glenda, the like neighbor, and these other characters to sort of latch on to and spend time with, I thought was a really smart way to put it all together. Yeah, so I've always enjoyed the serial killer genre. And Dahmer, I thought, was one of the worst hangs of all the serial killer. Like I, I the idea of yeah. a 10 episode, by all accounts, horrible hang. Um, yeah. Horrible neighbor, really, really yes. inconsiderate. Uh, obviously, a, a terrible murderer and a cannibal. Like, there's nothing fun about his crimes. It's just like as dark as human behavior yeah. can go. And it's like I don't want to be in this world. I don't want to. I don't want to be with him. I was pretty transfixed in that first episode. I think it was the Wisconsin accent. I think it was the actor. But they yeah. they made something compelling about Dahmer, and I, I'd be interested to know if he was actually compelling in real life like that, or if this was the Hollywooded up version. I mean, I think it's definitely, you know, like Evan Peters is definitely, you know, he's a movie star. He's a TV star, at least, you know, an Emmy award winner TV star. Like he's a good looking kid. And not that like Jeff, Jeffrey Dahmer wasn't, but, um, and I think like having done some light, I'm not a Jeffrey Dahmer expert by any uh, stretch, but when I watch a show like this, I'm also constantly on Wikipedia being like, wait, what's real? What's not real? What happened? And then, you know, there's all these cases where Jeffrey Dahmer lured people to his shithole apartment. And I feel like you have to have some kind of charm and allure to you in order to be able to, make that happen. So I think there has to be something to that sort of creepy, but compelling charisma that he has. And this like sort of nice boy attitude that he can adopt before things get really, really scary and creepy, you know? Yeah. You know, when that story came and went in the nineties and it just seemed like the media didn't cover it until the cannibal piece came in, that was when it got really sensationalized. And they have it in one of the later episodes, a cover of people, all that stuff. But in the 90s, it was this, you know, somebody who was killing all of these different 
gay minority victims. And it just wasn't covered the same way I feel like it would be covered now, where if he was like Ted Bundy went into a, went into a sorority house and killed college girls. And that was like, Oh my God, like this is, and that was covered like this huge, huge thing. This was a little underground. It was also the era, right? This is right, right when magic got HIV. And it was just that the way there were certain things, the mainstream media just kind of, they would tap, but they wouldn't go into. And I think that was one of the reasons I felt like Ryan Murphy wanted to make this because you watch this and you're like, why didn't more people care? Why didn't the cops care? Why didn't they listen to the neighbor? How do people not realize that this was like a legitimate serial killer preying on a specific type of person? Why weren't they getting the message out in the gay bars and the clubs that watch out for this? All of it, you're just watching going, what the hell was everybody doing back then? And I, like that's a similar story as in Versace because like all the victims were gay. And so then it's like the police don't care enough to connect them and figure out that this guy's going on a crime, like killing spree yeah. until he killed someone super famous. But they were like, oh, let's put it all together. I think that's the best thing this show does is because I don't really feel like I understand the mind of Jeffrey Dahmer on the other side of this. And I don't know that the show is really trying to get me to understand the mind of Jeffrey Dahmer, but yeah. I, it is trying to expose the police force and the general attitudes of the era that enabled this blonde, reasonably good looking white boy to get away with like what he got away with. And I think that um, the first episode starts with, you know, when the police come to his door, Jeffrey Dahmer's like, oh, we're just in here doing gay stuff. You know how gay people, you know, and he's like right. actively trying to get the cops away by just being like, you know, gay stuff. You don't want to look into that, right? You just want to go home, you know? And Right. Leave us alone. We're over here. Yeah. You don't yeah, want to exactly. see this. Yeah. So that that's his like protective shell of like, I know you're disgusted by what gay people do behind doors. So that's what I'm going to say is going on here to keep you out of here. And um, I thought that was really an interesting, damning aspect of all of this. And also like the whole Nisi Nash's character, Glenda, this neighbor, the idea of like black women and, and who won't listen to black women. And like, she's like, literally, I can smell right. it and I can hear it or I can see that that's a child. My favorite interaction was when the cops, when she said that there was a an altercation going on next door and one of the cops suggested that she go look, can you go check and see what's going on? And she's like, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not leaving my house. I yeah. believe that's your job, I think. So yeah, it's, I thought that was a really smart part of the whole, the whole series. So the, you know, I was right out of college when the Dahmer stuff really broke out. And I just knew like, I knew like the types of people he targeted and I knew the types of things that he did. Right. And I knew he had food and food in the fridge that was human remains and that he ate. That, that's all I really knew. I didn't realize how close they came to catching him all these different times. Because again, Jeff Dahmer, bad hang. You don't want to be like, oh, cool. I'm going to read this 600 page Jeff Dahmer book. Like I just, right. it was kind of in and out. I never really thought about him again. So yeah. that piece and you know, the, the policeman not getting penalized for screwing stuff up, but that you mentioned the neighbor, that was the haunting thing. And like my daughter, like my daughter's had trouble sleeping the last two nights because she watched this and she's just oh like, my God. she's like the neighbor part freaked me out. Like hearing these sounds and knowing it's probably something horrible, not being a hundred percent sure, but 90% sure. Like that was the worst. And that you have that haunting scene. I think it was the ninth episode when he barters the money that he's getting. Cause people are milling him money and he yeah. gets like whale sounds 
And he's just listening to these crazy whale sounds because they, I guess, sound like human squealing. And one of the prison guards is like, hey, man, I'm taking the tape. He's like, what? This helps me sleep. And it's like, oh, this person is a 10 out of 10 all-time psycho that we have ever produced. There's, You can't be crazier than this, but he was. And I think um, a big part, a big piece that helps, because I can't latch on to Jeffrey Dahmer, I... For me, the best episode is episode six, yes. Silence, which is I'm from glad you brought it up. Yeah. Point of view of one of his victims. And then you see similar to there's a similar story in Versace. You're watching it and you maybe get kind of sucked in because again, Evan Peters is very charismatic, and you're like, oh, could this all have gone another way for this guy? If if a million, you know, if his dad had never taught him how to taxidermy roadkill, if, 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 like, could this have gone a different way? But other than that episode. Jeff Dahmer is like a really hard person to latch onto emotionally. So that's why I think a character like his dad, played by Richard Jenkins, Lionel Dahmer, like, you know, I have a lot of questions for Jeffrey Dahmer's parents, but I think because Richard Jenkins is such a sensitive actor, I was, I really felt for him, even as I watched him make mistake after mistake with his kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. Episode six is great. Like, I actually yeah. wouldn't be surprised that that gets nominated for an Emmy. And I wouldn't be surprised that the actor who plays the deaf victim in that will get nominated because I thought that guy was great. The scene when they tell Richard Jenkins, the cops are like, hey, here's what we found. And they lay it out. And it's like there's 15 victims and, and he's just sitting there and he's just like, he's trying to process it, but he's also not 100% surprised, which yeah. I think is important, right? So he's like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. I'm also not completely shocked. And was some of this my fault? You can see him think of all these things because he's a great actor. And there's this pause and the cop's like, but wait, there's one more thing. And you're thinking like, but wait, there's one more thing. You just told me my son murdered 15 people and was a Syrico or there's another thing. And he's like, we came to believe by some of the stuff on the utensils and whatever that he was also eating the victims. And now, and then they cut to Richard Crenn and it's just like, is there a gun? Can I just kill myself? This is the worst thing I've ever heard. He did a great job. So I, the show had mo a lot of moments like that that I think is what kept me hooked. Like a lot of really, this is the Ryan Murphy thing, right? A lot of really high level, just good TV, performances. good TV scenes, good performances, good episodes. So I don't know. I thought it was an above average show. He hooks in incredible actors. And I don't like, I don't always love every choice he makes in, in terms of like the storytelling or how sensational to go and stuff like that. But he always has these incredible actors and in his projects. And so it's always worth watching to me to watch them navigate them and whether they go big like Jessica Lange did in every single Ryan Murphy show right. she ever did or what Richard Jenkins is doing here, which is like a much smaller, more, you know, emotionally impactful performance. For me, it was that sequence. There's a sequence where he's talking to his wife, played by Molly Ringwald, and he's like going, remembering all these moments that Jeff has sort of brushed off as oh, it was just a joke or, oh, I got fired for this, you know, like making all these excuses and really sort of putting together the pieces that like at some point I really have to reckon with the fact that my kid is the common denominator here and I can't just swallow these, like I've been swallowing these really flimsy excuses that he's been giving me when I find, you know, 
chemical remains of something in the drain of his grandmother's basement floor. And I'm like, right. oh, yes, we'll clean up after yourself better, Jeff. Like, all that sort of stuff. I thought that was really, really strong, really powerful. And the way they treated the Dahmer character where he's got this Wisconsin accent and I can't do a Wisconsin accent. That was a bad attempt. But <laughs> um, And he's a little blank-faced and dorky and, you know, like, like just socially awkward. But he did have the switch. Like when he starts screaming at his grandmother that one time because she got rid of the mannequin, that whole yeah. mannequin section, I forget what episode that was where he has kind of the wherewithal to be like, I'm going to go in that dressing room and I'm just going to stay there completely still for like seven hours because I want that fucking mannequin. And then they cut to him later and he's in the same spot, not moving. You're like, oh, this guy is a 10 out of 10 lunatic. Takes yeah. the mannequin home. God knows what happens with the mannequin. And the grandmother finds it and throws it out. And it's probably the maddest he gets in 10 episodes to this poor old lady who's like, yeah, the mannequin was fucking weird. I threw it out. Why, why did you have that? Run, you throw out my mannequin. And it's stuff like that. I thought the hitchhiker scene was another one when he picks up that hitchhiker and they're lifting weights Yeah, and they're having a good time. And the guy's like, all right, it's time to take me to the concert. And he's like, I thought we'd hang out more. The guy's like, no, we're going to the concert. And, it's just kind of escalates and you know where it's going. They do. There's moments like this where it's like, wow, that's really, really, really well done. Then there's other stuff that felt very 1990 TV movie-ish that I felt like they could have dumped. I felt like, what do you think? Eight episodes? Could this have been eight episodes instead of 10? Easy, right? Yeah. Six six to eight. I think the yeah. last one, especially like all the John Wayne Gacy stuff, I felt like didn't really, whatever no. connection they were trying to make there didn't really work at all. The last episode's a throwaway. Like you could have yeah. had him get murdered. I got to be honest, Dahmer in prison could have been like six episodes. Like if we had really gone into Dahmer in prison and some of the other inmates and how they're related to having the serial killer, I was really interested in that world. We didn't really spend a lot of time there, but we spent a lot of time with people over and over again, going to the police and being like, you know, complaining about whatever. Dahmer we, in the clubs. Yeah, yeah we kind of we kind of had the point at at some. Yeah, I think I would say, yeah, I think you're right. Six to eight episodes and the neighbor yeah i think the neighbor's gonna get nominated potentially yeah niecy nash is incredible she's always good in everything that she does and i thought she was like she's always really funny and so to have her here be really serious in a really serious context was uh i thought she was incredible in that and i think i mean evan peters too evan peters has played like an unhinged killer for ryan murphy that's how he started, right? Like in the yeah. first season of American Horror Story Murder House, he plays like a school shooter. And then he's played serial killers and other American Horror Story installments for Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy just like loves to make Evan Peters a serial killer because I think it's exactly what you were describing, that switch. He's so he's so disarming and charismatic and there's just something about him where you want to be protective of him. I felt that way about him on Mirror of East Town too. Like yeah. you're just so protective of him. And then the switch flips and you're like, oh, right. Oh God. You know, and like that seductive quality that Evan Peters has, I think Ryan Murphy knows that not only does a serial killer need something like that in order to lure victims in? But then at the end, when it examines like all those like fangirls who are sending Jeffrey Dahmer like love letters and right. naked photos of themselves and stuff like that, you know, and, and 
the general frenzy around serial killers and Dahmers specifically, I think you need someone like Peters who is like, you get drawn in and then you're like, and then he's pouring acid into a teenager's head and you're like, oh, right. This is absolutely stomach churning stuff. So yeah, it's a really interesting back and forth. I don't think it works without that performance though, you know? Yeah. He kills the hitchhiker and then he has to get super creepy and put his face next to his face and all that. I, the sandwich scene is the single best scene, at least for me, when he goes to the neighbor. With and he's the neighbor? Trying, yeah. I made you a sandwich. And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to eat that, Jeff. And she's like, eat the sandwich. And he's just, and it's just like, what is happening? <laughs> Please don't eat the sandwich. What's in the sandwich? That It, it was uh, like right out of like Silence of the Lambs. Well, and apparently, so I was looking up um, the... I think it's called the Milwaukee Gazette. Like if you're going to look up like fact versus fiction, which I love to do after watching a show like this, I think it's the Milwaukee Gazette because they were doing all the on like boots on the ground, local reporting about Jeff Dahmer at the time. They have some great analysis of what's real and what's not. And I think the sandwich thing was real that he would give sandwiches out to his neighbors in that apartment building oh, with God. who knows what in it, you know? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. We saw, I visited my college roommate in Milwaukee, like right after the Dahmer murders, who was like 93, 94 range. And, and, uh, he took us over there and cause we were like, to we got to see the Dahmer. Yeah. Cause we, we were like, uh-huh. we got to Like, we just couldn't believe it was like in the city. And, you know, normally these kind of things, it's like silence of the lambs. You're in the middle of nowhere, right? You're driving right. 40 minutes in Pennsylvania. And we were like, can't believe it's like, take two rights and a left. And so we went and it was knocked down. It was like, yeah, the the attitude in Milwaukee was like, let's try to pretend this never happened, which was, you know, I, I thought they didn't really land the plane in the last episode, but it was interesting. Like that theme of a city, either remembering victims or basically saying, let's just move on from this and pretend it never happened, which is basically where they landed. And again, I think to your like really original point that you can chalk a lot of that up to who are the victims and it's young black and brown gay men. Like, and so the city was not that interested in memorializing them and giving them, you know, the better version of this from, uh, from a premise standpoint was the Atlanta child murders, which HBO did that. uh, Uh, I forget how many episodes it was, but it was an even worse, worse version of this where he killed I don't know, 40, 50 kids. And it just wasn't covered in any sort of mainstream way because of who the victims were, which when you think back, that was only, I don't know, less than 50 years ago, pretty fucked up. But yeah, I, I feel like with the Dahmer thing, Bundy Bundy had the cachet because of who some of the murders were and be, and because he was this handsome guy who would kind of lure hitchhikers and whoever. And so he always... There was always an appeal with him. They've made multiple Bundy movies. They've made a docu-series about him, all that stuff. The Zodiac Killer was another one. Because that was a mystery, yeah. The Zodiac Killer, I think, has been romanticized because we don't know who it was. Right. Um, it's super creepy. There's, It's really random. Son of Sam was another one. They've, they've tackled a few times because that ties into the summer of 77 in New York. But the two that they've never figured out really until this is... Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy is like a crazy SNL sketch version of Dahmer and he's dressed like a clown. And it's like, I I don't think anyone's figured out how to approach that from a pop culture standpoint. 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So my my question about like all of these I don't know, shows or docu-series or whatever is like, what are we learning from them? Uh, is it just pure entertainment? That's fine if it is, but like, or is it trying to tell us something? I think this uh, really awkwardly titled show, Dahmer hyphen monster colon the Jeffrey Dahmer story is trying to tell us about like the community and, and, and the police force. And there's a lot that it's trying to say. I think sometimes with the serial killer stuff, it just feels like it wants to get as depraved as possible without a point of view. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's like the Dahmer movie was like that, which I, I yeah. stopped watching after 10 minutes. I was like, oh, they're just, they don't know what they're trying to do with this. I don't want to spend time with this movie. Netflix has coming out after this. They've got a docu-series that is like the Dahmer confession tapes. So they're going to ride the wave of this. Like this is super popular for Netflix. And then they've got a, a docu-series that they're dropping either a docuseries or just a documentary that's like i think just going to be the raw audio of his confession tapes to like sort of continue your Dahmer education i guess yeah i was talking to a friend who works for a competitor and he was <laughs> like the Dahmer thing is this good and i was like you know this is kind of the type of project you'd want as a streamer because it's good it's not great there's 10 episodes you don't really have to concentrate the entire time. You can kind of float in and out. There's scenes you can just be like, oh, I'll look through some emails or whatever. Um, it tries to pretend it cares about the topic in like this new way, but it really doesn't. It's exploitative. And it's like, this one's about the family and we're going to take you under the hood with the victims. And it's like, nah, you're making a serial killer 10 part thing. And I, I, I think, I guess that's what I didn't like about it is there's a little bit of hypocrisy where it's like, we're going to take you all the people around him that were affected, but then you're also making it a Saw movie. 
So it's like, what is it? What do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather they not try with that? Like, because we agree that the best episode is one from one of the victim's point of view and their family's point of view. Would you rather they just do Saw or would they? Would you rather they do less Saw and more of, you know, this other stuff? Like, well, what's your ideal balance in a show like this? Well, if you're trying to make the greatest version of this, you're picking 10 people that were involved in his life, right? And you're telling each episode is about one of the people, right? But that's mm-hmm. that's not going to keep people sucked in for 10 episodes. I, this is why shows like this are a little dishonest because they can ride on episode six and they can be like, well, that, and that was, yeah, but then you also did, you had these other episodes where this happened. Did you need to do yeah. this? And did you need to yeah. cross the line with that? And so I think they throw shit against the wall with a bunch of different strategies and hope some stick, some don't. But like, I took a quick look at, you know, you knew this was going to get think pieces, which is another piece of these where it's like, for Netflix, this is great. Huge viewing hours. And then people just writing about it and talking about it for two weeks. But the think pieces, a lot of them were like, well, wait a second. This exploited the victims too. How is this any different? And then some of the victims came out and were like, hey, you're talking about why didn't they build a park? Like, what about the proceeds for the documentary or any of those going to the victims? Yeah. So it's it's All like right. this, I don't know. I, I don't know how you navigate that one. The bar I'm using to judge this particular show is the Ryan Murphy Netflix stuff. And I would say this is far and away the best Ryan oh, Murphy Biggest Netflix success easily, right? Collaboration. They paid him an enormous amount of money to, you know, lure him away from FX which had been his creative home for so long. And he's done a bunch of stuff at Netflix that I just didn't think worked at all. And this goes a long way towards working. But I think always a Ryan Murphy show loses the plot. Like I've never watched a single season. Maybe OJ, People vs. OJ, is the one that feels like the most tightly controlled. And That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That was an incredible TV show. Yeah, it was so good. And Versace is pretty good too. But I think overall, like his stuff, especially the horror, tends to get away from him because he's like a pop, he's a pop guy and he gets just sort of lost in the visuals and the gore and all of that. And then you lose your point, and then you end up making something, I think you're exactly right, that that wants it both ways, that that wants to be virtuous and exploitative at the same time. Don't you think out of anybody we've had who's had success the last 12, 15 years, he's the one who bit off more than he could chew? Yes. And I just don't, you, you never feel like he's crafting all right, here's my one project that I'm throwing my entire heart and soul into for two years. He's juggling like three, four, five things at the same time. And it's just, you know, that's, that's why there's a dissatisfaction. This is probably the closest he's come in a while. I really liked the Kunanan show. I thought I, uh, I didn't think it was as good as the OJ show, but I thought it was really good. I remember not, I only saw it once. I remember not being pumped about the last episode. Like it was another one where they didn't land the plane. But in general, the whole concept of an imposter coming in and trying to infiltrate this this crazy rich Miami world in Versailles, like I was really interested in. I thought that was a good premise. Darren Chris was super good uh, in that role. And again, it did a lot of exploration of 
late 80s, early 90s gay culture and what like yeah. it was we were at a point in our culture where we weren't pretending homosexuality didn't exist. And there were plenty of people who weren't shunning like, you know, gay men and gay love. And then there were plenty of people who were and there was the, the AIDS, HIV crisis and all the fear around that. And all of that's in the in the mix in a way that lets someone truly sick get away mm. with a lot of damage, you know? Well, you asked me, why do they keep making these things? Yeah. And the answer is they keep making these because people keep watching them, listen to them. And in podcasts, we're basically out of true crimes now. I don't, I think we've, we've done all the crimes. <laughs> They're done. We're going to have to make up new crimes. Oh no. False crimes. It's only false crimes. No, no more true crimes. Okay. With the TV stuff, we were in Sundance a couple of years ago when that Bundy show came out. And nephew Kyle and I, I was like, I just want to watch one. I want to see if it's good. We watched the whole thing. We never went out the whole afternoon. He's like, I can't believe this is what we're doing at Sundance. And I was like, all I want to do is watch this. I don't care where I am. I'm in. So I do think there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, same. I think there's a direct correlation though between people who like horror movies and people like serial killers because serial killers are scarier than horror movies because yeah. they actually happened. Whereas like Michael Myers didn't happen. Like he's kind yeah. of cartoon Syracuse. When I watch some of these, I'm like, God damn, this is so. And I think that's why my daughter was probably freaked out this week. Cause this actually happened. It's a real thing. It was so funny. There's that interesting exchange between Dahmer and, and the priest who is like sort of helping him in that. end, and he's like, you know, why do you think there are so many serial killers right now? Like, what's going on? Um, and the guy and the priest starts listing of things, and I'm like, oh, I I know I know the list. It's interstate highways. It's yeah. you know this that and the other thing. It's it's pornography. It's like I was like, yeah, I know the list of why. And I realized that I've ingested I think more serial killer content than I thought I had. And I think that um, for me, something like this turns my stomach because it is hard to watch because it is so gruesome. And then also because of that extra, there are real people involved in this and how do the victims' families feel? Something like Mindhunter, I don't know how you felt about Mindhunter, but that was sort of the ideal for me because it was fictionalized, but not at the same time. It was so close to reality, but there was that like comforting layer of fiction on top of it hmm. that made me feel like I wasn't watching, you know, the exploitation of something that actually happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things with the serial killer, why it always works and why it's going to continue to work is because it's somebody who's decided this is my thing. I'm going to murder people. I kind of have a type too. Like for, for the most part, serial killers aren't random. They have some sort of profile, right? Right. And then the, yeah. And then the question is, how long can they get away with this? What are their tricks to keep getting away with this? And how can these fucking police and FBI not catch this person? So as you're watching this, you're juggling all these things in a weird way. It's not like you're rooting for the guy not to get caught, but you're fascinated by all the ways he's not getting caught. And, you know, it's this cat and mouse game where at some point, they gain too much confidence. And that's usually, you know, they like, by the time you get into double digits, they're just like, all right, this is old hat to me. It's like they're playing pickup yeah. basketball. And that's usually when they make a mistake finally. But I think those beats, they just work for, 
for TV and for pods. And they're going to keep working. <laughs> Do you have a favorite serial killer uh, show or? Oh, Bundy's Bundy's the best one. Because Bundy, Bundy escapes, I think twice, but, um, and defended himself. And, you know, he's, I thought he was the most interesting of all of them. Why would you have a favorite one or not a favorite, but you know what I mean? The, mo- the mo- one you're most yeah. fascinated by. Like the serial killer I'm most fascinated by. Um, I thought the Night Stalker was pretty good because of the time he was in. It was like late seventies, early eighties, LA. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. In general, late seventies was like the heyday for serial killers and all this stuff because there was no DNA stuff. There's been, the police weren't competent. Everyone's hitchhiking, so you had this whole kind of talent pool for whatever you wanted to do, and the media coverage was terrible. Talent right? Pool. So, <laughs> so I, th- I think you look back like if we were doing advanced metrics, that was probably like the 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 ideal the heyday time for to be if, a you, if you were a serial killer, that was the time you wanted to be in. Now I think it would be a lot harder. I think the Zodiac killer for the reason that you mentioned the idea that like, we don't fully know who the Zodiac killer was. We can, we have our theories, but we don't know yeah. the fact that there's this, like that the media is so closely involved. It's local to where I grew up. Um, you know, ciphers and all that sort of stuff. And then I think, you know, the best piece of serial killer media is Zodiac, that film. Yes. Um, Agree. So I think that's, that's the one that most captures my imagination because we're not, and especially that film, we're not necessarily, we're not watching. There's like a few crime scenes in that film, but it's not about the crime. It's about the people who are caught up in this chase. It's about what Downey and Ruffalo and all of them are doing in order to try to chase down this killer. I was like around 10-ish when when Jeffrey Dahmer happened, but also around that time, a little later, Polly Class was kidnapped and she was kidnapped like right near where I grew up. And that stuff just that just haunts you forever, you know, because like this stuff is mm. real. It's often, you know, it's local to somebody and, you know, you just have to, you think about what if forever, <laughs> you think about what if forever with something like that. And I think that's the haunting power of this because like, what if Jeffrey Dahmer kept getting away with it? Like, what if they had caught him when they should have, which is like the first time they arrested him. But like, what if he kept getting away with it? What if any of these guys? The smells are the craziest thing. Like, And I always thought it was the craziest when it happened. It's the craziest in the show. And he has all these little pet excuses. Like, what the hell is that smell? And it's like, oh. The my pork chops. Sent, my family <laughs> sent some pork chops and they uh, my refrigerator isn't working. So it went bad. And then they're like, so why didn't you throw it out? Like, ah. Oh. You know, but people just bought the excuses. We had, um, I had somebody, I was talking to Dahmer about the Dahmer show with somebody who said they knew these two people that Dahmer tried to give a ride home to. Holy. And bring back to his house. And they were kind of freaked out by him and they ended up not going back to his house. Like within seven, eight months of when he got caught. And I was thinking like, can you imagine being in the car with Dahmer and getting out? Like what, the rest of your life, I you think about that all the time. Like, oh my God, I could have ended up like in the fucking fridge. Right. And does that like, does that mean you learn to appreciate life at like every second that you have Maybe. after you got out of the, out of Jeffrey Dahmer's car? God. Or, yeah. Can you think of a, a, 
a worse car to be in and then a better car to get out of than the Dahmer car. Also, <laughs> was Dahmer he keeping car. like body parts in the trunk? Like, um, you said Zodiac's the best serial killer content. I actually think it's Silence of the Lambs. I would have that one A, one B. I think I would have well, Silence of the Lambs over Zodiac. I think Zodiac based on a true story, Silence of the Lambs, like. Oh, good point. Uh, you yeah, know, right. fic- fiction. So they each yeah. get the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Silence of the Lambs, like. And again, like Sons of Lambs comes out. I watched that way too young and just thought about yeah. it forever. <laughs> forever. Huge mistake. You know? Um, so, and that was just like in the water in like the 90s. Like jokes about Jeffrey Dahmer and like, all you know, like heads in the freezer and all this sort of stuff. That was just like oh, yeah. the commonplace jokes that we made all the time growing up. And that is, uh, you know... Uh, odd to think about the way in which tabloid culture just like really ran our lives in a way that we didn't examine at all. Um, And then, so like now we're in this era where we're like, let's dig into what was going on everywhere Mm. else that contributed to all of this. And I wonder what the next phase is like, is the phase like your, your argument is that this is never going to go out of style. We're always going to be interested in serial killer content because. Well, cause that's, that's what all the uh, attention patterns have shown. Yeah. Remember there was that stretch with podcasts where it was just top 20 and like 17 of them were some sort of true crime. Like, so that was a boom and it seems like that's over and maybe this will be the next boom or these eight to 10 episodes. But the thing is like, there's two ways to approach it. Either you treat the serial killer almost like he's the shark from Jaws. Like you don't really see him ever. And then at the tail end you do. The other way is you're with them immediately or her, I guess, the Warnos, whatever her name was. I, yeah, Eileen Warnos. Uh, Eileen Warnos. Um, yeah, monster. Yeah. But you're with them immediately and they become a character. And the bottom line is these serial killers are not fun to hang out with for 10 episodes. That was why I couldn't believe that they made Dahmer at least like watchable for 10 hours. Because I never would have thought that was possible. He really seemed like just the worst hang ever. I just never seen a bad Evan Peters performance. Yeah. Like it works every time, you know? Do you know what would be a good idea? What? This would be a good idea, Joanna. Okay. Ryan Murphy's next thing is about, it's meta. It's Evan Peters actually becomes a serial killer because he's played, he's played murderers in so many different shows. He actually- <laughs> It's like lots of He be, has a disassociation and all of a sudden now he's the murderer and it's like, is this real? Is this not real? I think that could work. Get on it, Ryan Murphy. Make it one of your seven projects. Okay, so call it Evan Peters hyphen monster colon the Evan Peters story. <laughs> Evan <Okay>. Peters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, gone too far or method acting gone method wrong acting, or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he was great in the show. I do want Evan Peters to do fewer serial killer roles for Ryan Murphy. That's what I... You yeah, know. about a rom-com, Evan. Yeah, can yeah. you just... Keep it light. Come on. Can you just be in a love triangle where you're at work and and somebody likes you, but you're already engaged and you got to figure it out? Like, just do that. And then neither of them get killed. That'd be great. That'd be great. You're just in love. It was just really interesting when he, I was, I was rewatching his Emmy acceptance speech that he gave for Mayor of Easttown where he did his like hoogies like accent in in that speech, but he thanked Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy has nothing to do with Mayor of Easttown, but he was like, Thank you, Mr. Murphy, because like he he credits Ryan Murphy for his entire career, which like maybe he should. But at the same time, he's one of those guys where I'm like, but I'd like to see you 
you know, hook up with a bunch of other creators and see what yeah, else yeah, you yeah. could do, you know? Well, hopefully this will be the last one. All right. So we both, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this has already watched it, but I think this is a thumbs up from both of us, right? I think it's definitely worth a watch, especially like if you want to know what people are, like it's one of those things where like you're going to want to know what people are talking about. And so many yeah. people are watching this that like, you know, it's one of those Netflix phenomenons like Tiger King or whatever, where you'll just feel out of the loop if you haven't watched it. And I think there's enough good here, especially like Peter's, Richard Jenkins, DC Nash, like there's enough good there that even if you get scoosh about the other stuff, you can, that's when you should check your emails, right, Bill? <laughs> or, right, right. Or do, or do some MBA prep or something like that. So, yeah. Well, Whenever we're in the same room together, who knows when that's going to happen, but because we started working together <laughs> in the pandemic, I'm definitely just giving you a sandwich and telling you to eat it. And I'll say, I'm just going to be like, no, no, I made this for you, Joanna. I'm going to call HR right now and see what they say about <laughs> it's, that. It's, it's like a pulled pork. You'll really like mm, it. It'll be great. Mm. What's that smell, Bill? Like, what is that smell? I, I made I you understand. a sandwich coming from the neighbor <laughs> who had screams from his apartment and the most horrible smells you could imagine is the worst offer anyone's ever gotten, I think. Here's my sandwich. I can't believe she let him in her apartment at all. I was like, keep the chain on the door. Don't let him yeah, in. Seriously. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Seriously. All right, that's it for the Prestige TV podcast. We have uh, Atlanta. We have Van and Charles covering that. Uh, this is the final season of that, so that's coming up later. Thanks to Chris Sutton for producing. Thanks to Joanna. Stay away from those sandwiches, and uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>